My name's John Redmond, and I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. And today on Peace by Believing, we're going to be talking about one of the birthmarks of the believer, one of the ways that we can know that we are truly saved. Now, the Bible is very clear that God wants us to not only be saved, but God wants us to know that we're saved. He doesn't want us to go through life wondering whether or not we're saved or hoping that we're saved. He wants us to know that we're saved. And on today's program, we're going to be thinking about one of the ways we can know that. The sermon we're going to be listening to today was actually preached by my father, Charles Redmond, who is the senior pastor here at First Baptist in Pasadena. He preached this sermon sometime back. It was a blessing to those of us in the room that day. And I hope that it will be a blessing to you today and that you will be able to know beyond the shadow of any doubt that you're a child of God. If you'll open your Bibles, please, to the book of 1 John over near the very end of the New Testament. I want to show you in chapter 1 a somewhat overlooked verse uh, in this book. In the book of 1 John, the verse I'm talking about is verse number 8, the overlooked verse. And I believe the reason it's overlooked is because the very next verse is such a flagship verse in the Bible. Verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now that is a verse every Christian needs to use every day often. The book of 1 John was written to believers, to Christians. And as a Christian, we still sin. And when we sin, we need to ask God's forgiveness of that sin as quickly as we are aware of our sin. Not wait until we get home at night and have a catalog of sins. We'll forget half of them. But as you journey through the day and you become aware that you've thought something said something, done something that did not measure up to God's standard. The Bible calls that sin, and you very simply need to claim 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. This is a must-memorized verse, really. If we confess our sins, what will God do? He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We do that, I hope, throughout the day. Now, The verse previous somewhat gets lost in the enormity of that promise. In verse number 8, 1 John 1, verse 8, the Bible says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Now, when a person becomes a child of God, a Christian, a believer, what happens is they, that person receives the life of God as the Holy Spirit comes to live within them. And let me show you that in the Bible. Put your bulletin, if you will, where we are in 1 John, and turn back with me in, in, the, book of, uh, in, in the book of Romans, if you'll do that, in Romans chapter number 8. Let's just turn back in our Bibles to Romans chapter number 8. Uh, And hopefully you have these verses marked, but if not, do so. In Romans chapter 8, in verse number 9, 
The Bible says, but you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells inside in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. That is exactly what I just said. When a person uh, is born again, what happens is they become a child of God. They take on the life of God. The life of God comes to live in them in the person of the Holy Spirit. Verse 10, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. My gracious, three times in those verses, we're reminded that when, when we uh, become a child of God, the very life of God comes to live within us. You're in the book of Romans. Turn to the next book in 1 Corinthians. Just turn a few pages in your Bible, and you'll be in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? This is what happens when we become a child of God. The very life of God comes to dwell in us, to live in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And turn over in chapter 6. A page or two probably in your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 in verse 19. Here's the question. Uh, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? So over and over and over in the Bible, it teaches this same truth. When, when we become a child of God, the very life of God comes to dwell in us, to live in us, in the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, when that happens, there are some very distinctive things that people can see in your life. In fact, you can even see these things in your own life. And these things that we can see, I'm calling spiritual birthmarks. As I mentioned last Sunday, many of us have physical birthmarks. Many do, many don't. Hopefully, all of you have some spiritual birthmarks. You say, why would I have a spiritual birthmark? Because when you became a child of God, the very life of God came to dwell in you and the person of the Holy Spirit. And there were some things, distinctive, clear things that people can see because God lives in you. He lives through you. Now, go back to our text this morning. Let's look at it again. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Question, why would anyone say they are without sin? That's a good question. Obviously, we know people would say that and do, else God would never put the verse in the Bible. If we say that we have no sin, now if nobody's ever going to say they're without sin, the verse wouldn't be in the Bible. I know people who believe that, who say that, and they're very sincere people, many of them. But here's the question. Why would anyone say that they, are, that they have no sin, they're without sin? Well, one reason is, is because uh, people just do not have a scriptural understanding of what the Bible teaches. 
You say, what does the Bible teach? Well, about sin, what the Bible teaches is that we are sinners by nature. We're sinners by nature. In Romans chapter 5, in verse number 12, the Bible says that when Adam sinned, we all sinned. You say, how old do you think I am? Well, you were not living when Adam sinned, nor was I. But the moment Adam sinned, from that moment on, every person born is born with a sin nature. Now, the closest we get to that in normal conversation, we call it human nature. That sounds so much better. Say, you know, humans act like humans because humans are humans. Well, humans are humans, and humans have a sin nature. We are born with a sin nature. I saw a great example of this very truth as recent as this past Tuesday. Tuesday at Tuesday Bible Lunch. We had the grandchildren for a couple of days, and they both wanted to come to Tuesday Bible Lunch. And I said, well, that's great. I said, now, when you come to Tuesday Bible Lunch, you've got to sit still, and and, uh, I'll get up. It's not a long service, but I said, now, when I get up to preach, I don't want either one of you to go to sleep. You sit there. If you're going to come to Tuesday Bible Lunch, you're going to stay awake and, and behave and do right. Well, they promised, oh, this is going to be perfect. Well, they was over at a table. To my right, I'm up over in Grace Center, my Tuesday Bible lunch, and they had their chairs all turned around to watch me. I've not gotten in my sermon. My sermon on Tuesday Bible lunch, many of you would like it much better. It's about 20 minutes. So it's a 20-minute deal. It's what I do. I've not gotten in that thing two minutes. And I, I glance over that, and old Joel is sound to sleep. Our grandson is sound to sleep. And I was concerned. Maybe I thought, you know, he's liable to fall out of the chair. He's all cocked over sound to sleep. Well, when thing got over, he just, you know, they woke him up, and he came running up on the platform, jumped up in my lap, and, you know, wanted to know when we were going to go to the Panera Bread, I think is what he wanted to know. And I said, you went to sleep in my sermon. He said, oh, no. No, no, no. I said, I saw you, Joel. You were just sound asleep. He said, no, let me tell you what happened. Now, listen to this. This is true. He said, my foot went to sleep. And he said, when my foot went to sleep, he said, I didn't go to sleep. Actually, my foot went to sleep, and it made the rest of me go to sleep. (laughs) That is called the sin nature. Five years old, he's, but see, this is the deal. We have a sin nature. In fact, if you look in verse 8, notice, uh, if we say we have no sin, that word sin is singular, If you look in verse 9, it says if we confess our sins, that is plural. In verse 8, it talks about our sin nature. In verse 9, it's talking about the practice of our sins, if we confess our sins. So if a person understood what the Bible teaches about sin, they would understand they have a sin nature. And not only that, they would understand that they actually practice sin in their daily life. And the Bible teaches that. What did the Apostle Paul say? He said, what I do, I do not want to do. And what I do not want to do, I do. Can any of you relate to that? Could I have an amen? Yeah. See, we're sinners by nature, but we're also sinners by practice. 
We practice sin because that is our nature. In other words, that would be if a person doesn't understand that. Now, if you look in the verse, the question is, why would a person say they're without sin? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The truth means the knowledge of Scripture. If a person has no knowledge of what the Bible teaches about sin, there's none they well might say they are without sin. They would not understand what the Bible is taught. The second reason a person would say that, it says, if we say we've not sinned, we deceive ourselves. Many people believe they live such a good life, a moral life, that they don't sin. Two of the most influential Christians that ever lived, certainly two of the most, would be old Simon Peter and the Apostle Paul. (laughs) You think about that. Simon Peter, he was in the inner circle with Jesus, Peter, James, and John. He was with Jesus up on the Mount of Transfiguration. The Holy Spirit used Simon Peter to write two books in the New Testament. And yet, Simon Peter was well aware of his sinfulness. Back in Luke chapter 5 is an interesting story. It has to do with fishing. And uh, Jesus one day was on the Sea of Galilee on the shore. On the shore. And the crowd began to press on him so that he decided the best thing he could do, according to Luke chapter 5, was get in his fishing boat and kind of get out a little ways, turn the boat around, and sit in the boat and teach to the people back on the shore. So he got... Simon Peter, and he said, Peter, one of these boats is yours. Get in here with me and let's get out. He did that. And when they finished teaching, he told Peter, said, go out a little deeper in the water and cast your net in. Peter said to Jesus, we fished all night and caught nothing. And and he said, but nevertheless, at your word, that's what I'll do. And he did. And he caught so many fish in Luke chapter 5, the net broke. And they got the other disciples to come in the other boat. And the Bible says they got so many fish in the boat that the boat began to sink. And at that point, Simon Peter fell and bowed at the knees of Jesus. And here's what Simon Peter said to Jesus. He said, depart from me. I am a sinful man. Simon Peter recognized his sinfulness. And look how God used him. I think of the apostle Paul, my gracious The Apostle Paul started multitudes of churches, uh, a missionary, a preacher, an evangelist. He wrote 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I mean, there are only 27. He wrote almost 50% of the books in the New Testament. And yet the Apostle Paul one day in writing to Timothy said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Wow. Back in the book of Romans, Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. Here's the point. Peter and Paul recognized their own sinfulness. Now, I wish you'd take your bulletin because here comes our spiritual birthmark. Number one. The recognition of our own sinfulness is a Christian birthmark. A Christian birthmark. The recognition of our own sinfulness. And, you know, it's, it's the hardest thing in the world. I mean, I think all of us would say, well, you know, I know I sin. I certainly know that. But the truth of the matter is, 
Little do we recognize the gravity and the magnitude of our sinfulness. You, you hear very little conversation among Christian people about their sinfulness. It's just almost a non-mentioned subject anymore. You don't really hear much from a pulpit about it. And so many pulpits, very, very sad. There's a solution. Verse 9 is a solution. But the fact is, we'll never do verse 9 until we understand that we are a sinner. There are some things you can do to recognize your own sinfulness. First of all, look at the purity of God. Look at the purity of God. You know, a great place, maybe we won't turn back because of time, but in Isaiah chapter 6, the prophet Isaiah said he looked and he saw God and all of his majesty and his train filled the temple. And then finally, down there about verse 5 and 6 in Isaiah chapter 6, he said, woe is me, I am undone. That's, a, that's an interesting way to say that. I want to turn back and just look real quickly in another translation. That's, he says, it says, I am doomed for I am a sinful man. I am doomed for I am a sinful So when he saw God, that's one way to realize and recognize your own sinfulness. You say, well, that's so mystic. Not really. You say, well, how do I see God? See Jesus. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 14, if anyone has seen me, seen the Father. So you say, well, how in the world do I see Jesus? Read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read what Jesus did. Read what Jesus taught. Read what the Bible says. And you begin to see the nature and the characteristics of God. And then you begin to look at your own life and Boy, you begin to recognize your own sinfulness. Look at the purity of God. It always, don't compare yourself with other people. That's our mistake. You can always find somebody worse or somebody you think you're doing better spiritually than they are. That's a road to zero. Compare yourself to God, what God is like, His nature. His characteristics, and then you look, and that is a way that will help you recognize your own sinfulness. A second thing is, look at the teachings of Scripture. Look at the teachings of Scripture. You'll quickly recognize your own sinfulness. You know, the Old Testament pretty much regulates, uh, regulates our, our lives by our actions. When you read the Old Testament, it's talking about our actions, the New Testament regulates our heart. They are very different. You need them both. Actions important. Heart important. Look at the teachings of Scripture. Take them seriously and immediately you will recognize your own sinfulness. And many times a very painful but always a very good thing. You always have verse 9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If you say, what do you mean confess your sin? Agree with God. Say, how do I do with that? Those three words, I was wrong not to do this, not to do that. I put on the blood of Jesus. I repent. I shall do it. I shall obey, etc. Well, let me tell you the third way. Not only look at the purity of God, not only look at the teachings of Scripture, but look at your own life. 
Look at your life. Not somebody else's life, but your life. Do you deceive yourself by thinking for a moment that you just live such a good life you're without sin? I doubt it. You wouldn't be in church. I think probably we deceive ourselves thinking we sin very little. Maybe two or three times a day. Multiply that out times 365. Three times a day, that's over a thousand sins a year. For me, in a thousand a year, that's 76,000 sins if I just sin three times a day. I know I sin more than three times a day. I know you sin more than three times a day, I would dare say. But you look at your own life. And when you do, ask yourself, do you see your own sinfulness? You know, this whole thing, I was wrong. I was wrong. Oh, my gracious. You know, one of the most influential Christians in my lifetime has been, and even still his influence is real, even though he's not active as he was, Billy Graham. And Billy Graham once was on that Larry King's show. You know, Larry King used to have a TV show, and he would bring in different people, interview them. And he brought in Dr. Graham numerous times. He was fascinated with Billy Graham. Larry King's Jewish. He's not Christian by faith. And he always seemed nervous to me when he was interviewing Billy Graham, even though he considered himself a friend of Billy Graham. But I think had I been interviewing Billy Graham, I'd have been nervous. But I remember once he asked Billy Graham something about this the good life he lives, and he kept bragging on Billy Graham's good life, and Dr. Graham responded and said, Larry, the truth is you don't know me. He said, if you just knew how sinful I was, you would not believe it. And he said, the, the more I read my Bible and the closer I try to get to God, the more I realize my own sinfulness. See, that's what made Peter and Paul such servants of the Lord that accomplished so much, not their brilliance, not their charisma, but their recognition of their own sinfulness. A recognition of our own sinfulness. That's one of the ways that we can know that we are truly saved. Think about those people that my dad talked about in that sermon today. He talked about Isaiah who said of himself, woe is me for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips. Isaiah recognized his own sinfulness. Think about Simon Peter. He's the one who said to Jesus, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Peter referred to himself as a sinful man. And then the Apostle Paul who said that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul said he was the chief sinner of all the other sinners. And so Paul didn't look down his nose at anyone else. He considered himself to be the chief sinner. And then the illustration at the end about Billy Graham, certainly the most used Christian of our generation in our day has been Billy Graham. And I believe one of the reasons that God used Dr. Graham in such a great way was because of his own humility, because he recognized, even though God had used him in absolutely unbelievable ways, that he himself was a sinner, that he himself needed Christ's forgiveness. And as you read his writings and as you listen to his sermons, you always pick that up, that he never came across as holier than thou. Dr. Graham never came across as judging anyone else. He was always right in there with the rest of us as a sinner who needs the grace and the love and the mercy and the forgiveness of God. And so as you think about your life, do you see this quality in yourself? Do you see this humility? 
Do you recognize your own sin? Are you one of those people who talks more about your integrity than you do your sinfulness? You know, sometimes you can be around Christian people and to listen to them talk, it's almost like they're bragging on their own integrity. Well, Isaiah and Peter and Paul and Billy Graham, they weren't bragging about their integrity. They were talking about their own sinfulness. And that's one of the birthmarks of the believer. That's one of the ways that we can know that we're saved. And so maybe today you've never really come to grips with your own sinfulness. And you just need right now to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart to forgive your sins and make you a Christian. Just pray that now. Lord, come into my heart. Forgive all my sins. Save me and make me a Christian. Friend, if you've prayed that prayer, God has heard you. He has saved you. I want to thank you for listening to Peace by Believing today. I hope you have a great day, and I hope that as you go through this day, you just have a gratitude in your heart for the forgiveness of God.